Good morning, Calvary Church. I've been practicing that one. Um, so for there's, if you're new to Calvary in the last three years, you might not know us. We're uh, TJ and Amanda Penner. If you've been here longer than that, you probably do know us. In fact, there are some people here who have known me since I was a wee one. So we really have grown up here. Um, I just... We're going to talk this morning about plans, purpose, and crisis. And it's interesting because we were supposed to share for about five minutes and now we've kind of got the morning. So it just, it's a really good example of how the Lord doesn't really, He's got His own plans and He doesn't always like to give us a ton of notice. So also as we practiced this yesterday, it just, it was going off the rails. So just hang on. Don't think of this as a sermon. You're not going to get a structured three-point sermon this morning. Uh, we're here to share pieces of our testimony, what the Lord's done, what the Lord's doing, and what he's taught us. So TJ is going to start more with a little bit of our testimony, what's um, been happening, and then we're going to pass back and forth a little bit about what uh, God has been teaching us. All right, so I'm going to start with a verse, Proverbs 16:9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Um, so Amanda will talk more about this, but I feel, yeah, this is a very key verse in my heart because I'm a dreamer. I love to make plans. I love to do all that stuff, but I just it's important to recognize and I realize in my own life I can bring all my plans to the Lord and He directs what happens and what doesn't. So it takes a lot of pressure off me because I can bring a whole bunch of stuff to Him and just trust Him to to put forward what He wants to put forward. Um, so, so yeah, as I share a bit of our story today, I'm going to go through just three parts, and they're called pre-Brightwood, um, during Brightwood, and post-Brightwood. So Brightwood Ranch is the place that we were working at in Alberta at a kids camp. So before Brightwood Ranch, we'll go about five or six years ago, um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer, with leukemia, um, and we, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, as as we were walking with my parents in that, um, during that season, it was, it was really difficult, um, and I just put on a really strong front and, and carried the load and, and just didn't let my emotions come out with it and stuff. Um, and my mom, um, yeah, went uh, into palliative care, and it was on me and Amanda's heart to take good care of our parents and something we had decided beforehand, before this had happened. So we decided to move in with my parents to help take care of my mom while she was dying, and my dad had surgery, and there was just a lot of work that needed to be done around the home, um, and we had Charlie on the way. So, yeah, it was a very intense season that that brought a lot of turmoil, a lot of crisis um, with it that prepared us for what, what was to come um, in our next season. So during that season as well, we had an agritourism farm called Penner Pumpkins, and it was just a real joy working there. Again, just awesome to dream and build play structures and have kids from the inner city come. It was a big part of my mom's heart to, to get inner city kids from Winnipeg down on the farm and just watch them explore and have fun. It was so cool. So I just love that part of it. Um, I was a youth pastor and youth leader, like I was saying, since I was 19 years old. Um, and we've just continued wherever we've been, wherever the Lord's brought us. We always get plugged in with youth, and we just love it. We enjoy it. Um, and, and, yeah, just seeing youth grow up, it's incredible. Um, so another part... Um, of it is uh, during the season when my mom was dying and we had to say goodbye to Penner Pumpkins because she was, she was the main force behind it. We tried running a year um, of it with her and it just didn't work. So 
without her. Um, so I went, uh, I did counseling, just recognizing my weaknesses coming to the surface and struggling with anxiety and just realizing I couldn't carry the load by myself anymore. And it was just, it was a really good experience to, to process and to understand what was happening in my heart and be able to share and, and feel the emotions um, and just find healing from the Lord in it. And I find myself in a lot healthier spot. And it's, an, it's a more interesting spot for sure. Because now when, when hard times come, I feel a lot deeper. It hurts a lot more. But I know the Lord is with me in that. And it's just, it's a lot easier to walk through these hard times with the Lord and with Amanda and my family. Being able to to feel those things. So that's just a little bit of, of preemptive stuff um, before Brightwood. So during this season and, and for a number of years, I had a real heart for camp ministry. Um, just loved loved the heart of it, and I just know how much can happen in a week of camp when, when we have kids for a whole week and not just for an evening or a weekend, um, and just getting them out of the comfort zone um, and just how the Lord can really get a hold of their lives and the impact um, that counselors can have on their lives um, is just so cool to me. So it was something I had in the back of my mind and, again, just a little dream in my heart. So just casually, you know, looking at job listings and just dreaming with the Lord. Um, and then one day I found I found a camp posting that was just point for point what I was looking for, what was in my heart, what was stirred. Um, and so we, we processed it and we brought it to the Lord and the Lord really opened, uh, the doors to it, made it really clear. We didn't have to, to bang any doors down. Everything happened really cool. Um, yeah. So uh, a part of that as well, um, the Lord just really intertwined my gifts and talents and Amanda's gifts and talents in that. So it was cool what the Lord did with that. Um, yeah, I have a real heart for, for youth ministry, working with youth, but also hands-on work. I love physical work and working hard and stuff. So I always had part-time jobs um, balancing the two. And it was tricky. It was hard, but it was a good season as well. But in camp ministry, I worked in maintenance, and it was just awesome um, to be able to mow lawn and build stuff. Um, just like we did at Penner Pumpkins at the ranch, and also to to work with uh, the counselors and the young adults to disciple them, um, to teach them, to walk alongside of them, and to interact with the youth development program. So working with the youth and also hanging out with the campers, it was really neat. Um, and for Amanda as well, it was just really cool because it was a horse ranch. Um, and, and it was just an answer to, to all her dreams too because we had a heart for ministering to kids, ministering to youth, and owning a, a ranch and working with horses, and that all costs a lot of money. Um, and we got to do it and get paid to do it. So we'll go into the, we'll have the Lord work that out. Um, so a little bit about Brightwood Ranch now. We'll go into the, while we're at the ranch. So heart of Brightwood is to work with inner city kids from Edmonton. Um, so most of the kids got into camp for free. Um, and yeah, various backgrounds and stuff. The majority of them were, were foster kids and kids from single parent homes and, and really tough circumstances in life. Um, so that was the heart and it was really neat to, to work there and walk with them. Lots of the staff had grown up through the camp and there were countless stories, um, from, from the staff now that said they looked forward to their week at camp more than Christmas more than going home, and for lots of them, um, coming to Brightwood gave them hope for the future. There were numerous plans of suicide and taking their own lives, but it was, oh, Brightwood is only in two months. I can wait two months to get to Brightwood, and just how God could grab their hearts there. 
and stuff. So that was, it was really cool. And again, just the, the staff investment, right. And just getting to know people from all over the place and just be able to speak into their lives, encourage them in their faith. It was just incredible opportunities. Um, and in Brightwood as well, moving, um, it was an hour west of Alberta and you just meet a whole new bunch of people who are very different. Hour west of Edmonton. Um, it's really neat. So one of the neighbors there is pretty legendary, um, even in Alberta standards. So uh, him and his wife met on the trap line. Uh, they got married the first year, two years, supposedly they lived in a teepee, had their first kid in a teepee, and then they moved into a house. Um, and he is uh, he's such a good shot at, at shooting and stuff. When he goes skeet shooting with the men's group, and, and everyone can fire a gun pretty good where we live in Alberta. But he would start with his gun on the table, and they would throw the, the clay bird in the air, and everyone had their sights on, and he'd pick his gun off the table and blast it before they could even get a shot off. So it's incredible. And there's also stories. He did lots of hunting from his kitchen um, inside the house, just slide the window open and take down a buck. So it was cool. It's incredible meeting people from rural Alberta. It was really fun, Uh, the people you get to meet. Uh, I discovered my beard there, Amanda says. Yeah, (laughs) a little bit of redneck Alberta coming out there is good. Um, So, yeah, just incredible, incredible experience there, both the ministry part and and also just meeting the community, meeting new people. Um, And then also, yeah, just, just the ministry part was really awesome. Um, so as COVID hit, we knew there would be lots of changes coming in our camp ministry um, and just grappling with the changes. And it was just thing after thing. And it's like, oh, this is going to suck. This is going to be really hard. It's like, we're not going to run camp this year. And things are going to look differ- different and stuff. So as we were wrestling with that, we got news that we were going to be laid off from Brightwood um, and laid off permanently and asked to leave pretty quick, um, which really caught us off guard being being the only maintenance couple at Brightwood. We didn't see it coming. Um, so that was a lot of changes really quick to be without a job and to be without a home um, during COVID, during, yeah, one of the unideal times in, in the history of the world to go without those things. So I knew right away as the Lord was going to build our faith. He was going to build our character. Um, but even knowing that, it was extremely challenging. Uh, there were lots lots of the grappling with it and lots of the hardships were even harder than when my mom um, was dying and watching that and stuff. It's, it's incredible to, to lose a job and lose a home and to be searching um, for, for help and, and that during this time. It was exceedingly challenging. Um, so as we trusted on the Lord, as we wrestled with the Lord, um, we just, yeah, we were just open to what was next and just open for, for help from him. So it was amazing again to see the community, both our church community and our neighbor community, our unchurched community come around us and help us. Um, so we, we had a contact in Kijiji for something unrelated and she's like, we're going to help you find a job. So we had people we didn't, haven't even met on Kijiji searching and checking in on us to see how we're doing. Um, there was another neighbor just down the road from us and said, come live with us. You guys come move in with our family. And um, and just different offers like that. And it was, it was really neat. And we started writing a list um, of all the things people were offering and jobs and ideas. And it was incredible to have community, um, both church and non-church, just come around us and 
come together during this season, um, not just fending for ourselves, but to come together and support one another. It was quite an experience. Um, so during that, uh, we had a couple from our church offer us our house to live in, so that's where we're living at currently. Um, and I also got a job for, with, with a guy from our church working construction. Um, so what a blessing it is to, to have a temporary house. Temporary job is great. It's, okay, Lord, now we can look to the future and see what you have next for us. What's next um, for your plans for us? It wasn't about, it wasn't, it was, really wasn't what we wanted to do next. I think the easiest thing would have been to just put down our roots there. We really enjoyed the community and ministry part there. Would have been the easy thing to do, but we brought it to the Lord. Um, and I just really felt in my heart I wasn't done with camp ministry. I just really enjoyed, um, yeah, the heart of Brightwood, the time we had there, um, and just all aspects of it. So I was, I was searching again for camp ministry jobs, uh, looking, looking in the maintenance world of camp ministry jobs, because I love being behind the scenes. Again, I love the physical work, but I love the ministry aspect. They got intertwined for me. Um, yeah, working with kids, working with youth, stuff like that. So, so we had a couple options and stuff, and we just put them on the table, pursued them, um, and just waited for, for things to be very clear. It wouldn't work out for doors to close, stuff like that. So there was a job um, at Gimli Bible Camp for assistant director, uh, and the title threw me off a little. It's like, oh, I don't think I'm ready for that. That's, that's too much responsibility for me. Uh, too many things I'm not comfortable with. But uh, I looked at the job description and looking at it, and there's so many things, again, that just really struck a chord in my heart. And it's like, oh, this I believe this is where the Lord's calling us um, and stuff. So we put it on the table, and again, everything else closed, and this one seemed very open. So one of the really neat things um, about the Gimli job um, is the director is looking to train his replacement over the next couple years. Um, so that's been a really intense desire in my heart to be discipled really intensely to take over something for a couple years. So I'm excited. I'm excited to be discipled, to be mentored, uh, to be taught to lead. Um, I think that I'm probably very unqualified for this job, but the Lord doesn't see that, and that's great. And the Lord knows, again, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Uh, so, yeah, uh, another another part of the story, yeah, me and Amanda are, are dreamers, and we had a heart to run a ministry with horses and with kids and do, do a big ministry like that um, 10, 15, 20 years in the future uh, when we thought we were ready. So our heart is to do something like this, um, what, what we're going to be doing at Gimli, but the Lord uh, made it very clear that the time is now. Uh, we definitely couldn't stay to Brightwood if we tried. Um, so it's just, it's, we're really grateful for the Lord um, making it clear to us and, and just directing us in that. Um, so yeah, again, just, just coming back to Proverbs 69, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Again, so I'm excited, very excited to be assistant director at Gimli Bible Camp, and I know I'll have to trust in the Lord very intensely um, every day for the things that I know I can do well and for the things that I know I can't do well. I know the Lord will stretch and grow me. Um, I am excited to work with, uh, with the kids and the youth and the leaders there. 
um, and just to invest in, right, and just to do this faith journey together, um, both teaching them and learning from them. Really excited about it. Um, so, yeah, Gimli Bible Camp, uh, I think they started in 1929. So we're coming up on a 100-year anniversary in a couple of years, and we're excited about that. There's so much history um, with it and around it, and it's just awesome. So there are potentially are lots of grandmas and grandpas that have been to Gimli Bible Camp as campers. It's pretty cool. We hear lots of history, and they're spread all out throughout U.S. and Canada um, as we were hearing and stuff. So that's neat. Another part that we really like about Gimli Bible Camp um, is their heart for discipleship. So they have a full-time director right now. Uh, they don't have any other staff except the full-time discipleship uh, person who goes into the inner city, uh, Winnipeg, um, throughout the year when it's not camp season and connects with the kids in their homes, um, connects with them, yeah, at, uh, at public places and, and gets them together in their cabin groups. And we just think that's so awesome because lots of these kids uh, are unchurched and just don't have connections to church and their parents don't bring them to church and churches, lots of them won't take them without parent signatures and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, the, the director is thinking we can't just have these kids for a week and, and they get saved, they come to faith, and then we send them back to the city and only see them, you know, for the week of the year. So we have a full-time person in Winnipeg who connects with these kids and helps them out. Um, and it's just on the ground, and, and we, yeah, it's really neat. Um, so I'm going to wrap up with this last little story, um, and I will pass it on to Amanda. But, uh, again, as COVID made things very difficult travel-wise and figuring stuff out, um, there's a couple things that, that were very difficult. Um, so um, until yesterday, we, we hadn't seen the house we bought, so we bought a house in Gimli without ever stepping foot in it. Uh, we had never met the team we were going to work with besides one Zoom call, a couple emails, and a phone call. So we just met them yesterday, and we never stepped foot on the place we were working at until yesterday. So we did this all, all this just trusting in the Lord um, and just believing, believing in Him and, and just knowing that He has plans for us. Um, and knowing that the season of life could be exceedingly difficult for us or it might be a real joy and it just might fit really well. But, you know, just trusting the Lord, um, regardless of what happens, is that our heart is to further his kingdom and to love people. So regardless if it's easy or if it's hard, we're just excited for the opportunity to, to love on the kids, to love on the staff there and just continue yeah, ministering to the gospel uh, to those who have the least chance to hear him. Good. So um, I just want to clarify something because TJ is a dreamer, and sometimes when he speaks, it sounds a little bit like follow Jesus and all your dreams will come true. <laughs> so let me just clarify that is not what we're saying. And uh, what we're really saying is that when we when we do pursue our dreams with Jesus, things don't look like what we thought they would. And so the part that I want to share about is, I entitled it, The Crisis of Losing Control. And um, I think Greg, when he was leading worship this morning, was sharing verses about this, right? Who can thwart the plans of the Lord? Have any of you encountered a plan of the Lord in your life that you would like to thwart? Oh boy. Okay, just us. Just us. Okay. Well, the plans of the Lord cannot be thwarted, and the reason that that's even written is because sometimes we 
buck against the plans of the Lord. Sometimes we fight against the plans of the Lord and they cannot be thwarted. So the crisis of losing control, uh, I think in all of our hearts is a desire to have purpose, our desire to make a difference. I have never talked to anybody who wants to live and die and be forgotten and have no impact on this world and have no impact on those around them. It's in our hearts, right? We want to make an impact. We want to have purpose and we want to have desire. And, um, you know, we look at these stories in the Bible and we see people like... Um, once you see this like pattern, I, I could just see this in pretty much every single story in the Bible. But I picked out Joseph, right? So favored son of his father. He's educated. He got a good thing going. And God threw him into crisis. And we know the end of the story, and we love it, right? He, he's a slave, and he's faithful, and he works his way up, and he ends up saving all of Egypt and all of the nations around from starvation. And he has this position of authority to give his father and his brothers the best land of Egypt. And so it's a really incredible story. And I think I want that. I want to make an impact and I want God to use my life in an amazing way. Um, and yet I think God uses crisis. He takes us through crisis and he didn't spare his own son in that. I just want to read this to you. And I want us to hear. Again, I, I'm just going to talk about crisis. So I'm going to read about Jesus himself here. And I just want you to listen to the story with that in your mind. Like, listen to him. He's in crisis. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Then he came back and again found them sleeping because his eyes were heavy. Their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners rise let us go here comes my betrayer can you hear the crisis there's a lot of it jesus knows he's about to be tortured he knows he's about to be handed over to men who hate him and he knows he's going to die and his followers are failing him over and over and over. So there's disappointment in the people around him. There's betrayal. There's so much. So if God doesn't spare Jesus uh, walking through crisis to accomplish his glory and accomplish his plans, we too should not expect to get through this life with our comfort intact. 
And I think we know that in our minds. I think I knew that in my mind. But every time the Lord brings us through crisis, he reminds us again that it is not about our comfort. And God is glorified not by our comfort. God's, he can be. I mean, he can be glorified in anything. But I think we want that really bad. We want God to make all of our plans successful. We like that. You know, my grad verse was, commit your plans to the Lord and you will succeed. And I think we just really had a wrong idea of what that meant. Um, because it doesn't just mean that, you know, we live and hope that God blesses what we do. It's not like that. Um, Serving the Lord is very much an out-of-control thing. So uh, as far as what we're going through, our crisis came to us in the form of um, loss of job, loss of home, um, a sudden change in our entire community. Our kids are in crisis, guys. (laughs) Like, it's a... Yeah, we're, we're struggling as a family. We're by no means through it. We're by no means on the other side telling you about this thing that we went through. We're still in the thick of it. Um, so I just wanted to read to you from the dictionary because I looked up the definition of crisis and I was like, I was like, amen. I was loving this. So, um, the definition of crisis is the turning point for better or worse. Uh, paroxysmal attack of pain, distress, or disordered function. An emotionally significant event or radical change of status in a person's life. The decisive moment. An unstable or crucial time or state of affairs in which a decisive change is impending. And then it also says, I should read the last one, even though I don't like it. It says, one with the distinct possibility of a highly undesirable outcome. It's like, no, Lord. Um, And a situation that has reached a critical phase. So TJ and I very much don't feel in control of what's happening. Like TJ shared, we saw our new home yesterday for the first time, and we'd already purchased it. So it felt like up until yesterday, the Lord had kind of said, like, hey, in September, you're going to jump off a cliff. Hey, in September, you're going to jump off a cliff. And we're like... Ah, and then yesterday it was kind of like, there's the cliff. So at least like we know a little bit better what's going on, but we still feel no more in control. So, um, yeah, just thinking about Jesus walking through crisis. I think sometimes as Christians, we can also feel like making it through a crisis to the glory of God means like just living in this, like I have peace. Yes, Lord kind of thing, right? Do we, did anybody feel that pressure? Like we need to present, like we're getting through it really well. Um, I just want to say that I don't see that in this passage with Jesus in Gethsemane. He's wrestling with it. In fact, he's pleading with the Lord that the Lord might have a, is there another way, please Lord. And I, I identify with that when we found out we were laid off, I was waiting for the, for the switch back for someone to change their mind and be like, whoa, whoa, we made a mistake. You can stay. Um, And it didn't happen. So I think that getting through crisis as a Christian doesn't mean that you keep it all together because we are spirit and flesh, aren't we? And I I like this passage. I love this passage about Jesus in Gethsemane because I think think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the struggle between spirit and flesh because Jesus Christ is fully God, fully divine, and also fully man. So we see his uh, commitment to doing the will of the Father, and we see his um, supernatural uh, know, knowing, his supernatural uh, understanding of 
what's coming, wrestling with his flesh. So I think TJ and I have been in a state of uh, like anger and peace and um, upheaval and confusion and like joy and trust. Like it's all been simultaneous. So I just think that we desire purpose. We desire for God to be glorified. um, But what if it means crisis or what about when it means crisis? How do we handle it when God takes the reins? God is in the driver's seat of our lives right now. And I'm not even convinced that we're in the passenger seat. I think we're on the roof rack. And so how do we handle that? Because the world is watching. Let me just say a couple things for you to chew on. Crisis does not mean we're out of God's favor. Because Jesus was never out of God's favor. So crisis does not mean we are out of God's favor. Neither does your life in control mean that you are in God's favor. So when things are going smoothly, when you are where you want to be and you don't want anything to change, you might not be in his favor. That might not be what he's looking for. Glorifying God doesn't mean success, health, wealth, and happiness. So I just want to look at one more guy that is famous. Probably one of the most famous people in human history is Moses. Um, right? So just real quick overview. Moses is already, his story starts quite miraculously, right? He's a miracle baby saved from a genocide, uh, saved by the princess of Egypt. It's a cool story. So he grows up in the house of the guy who wanted him dead as a baby. It's just bizarre. So God saves this guy, grows up in the house of Pharaoh, um, gets sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave and kills the Egyptian. Now he's a fugitive in Egypt. So he flees because the Pharaoh, like it's been found out what he's done. So he's a fugitive and he's hiding out in the desert. And we know that he becomes a shepherd and he marries in the tribe of Midian. So, and he's there for a long time. And so don't you think he found like some sense of comfort? Like he's got a wife of Midian and he's got a job and we don't see him going, yes, Lord, when the burning bush scenario happens, we don't see him going, oh, I'm so glad that my life is about to have purpose. Like when God meets him in the wilderness and tells him that he's going to go back to confront the king who has the power to kill him because he's a fugitive. Moses is in crisis. He's in crisis. It throws him out of control. He is adamant. He doesn't want to go. He is arguing with God. He is bucking it to the point where God does get angry with him. So again, I think we got to wrestle that like we don't, we're human and yet we do need to trust God. So Moses, um, through what God does with Moses, He shows his power, not only to Egypt, but to all the nations around, right? As we read through the Old Testament, we see God referring to himself. So he's made his identity in what he did. Uh, He refers to himself as, I am he who delivered you from Egypt. So the work that he did through Moses became actually how he defined himself to those nations. Does that make sense? So God wants to glorify himself and make a name for himself in us and it it's it's we need to we need to be able to accept the crisis that that comes with 
And one quick thing I also want to share, I know this is a little bit disjointed, but we've been learning a lot about crisis, about letting go of control. Uh, And I just also want to share, because I know uh, we've been talking to some of the leaders and they're really uh, emphasizing outreach. And so I just want to share that in uh, Alberta, we learned a lot about hospitality. God really changed our heart about what outreach looks like and what evangelism looks like and what hospitality looks like. And I just want to say, because we grew up here, and I, I feel like I grew up with this idea that, like, you know, you get to know someone, and you become their friend, and you invite them to church, right? Does anyone kind of feel like that? Or it's like, yeah, I work with this guy, and I invited him to church. And it's like, we think, like, oh, yeah, we got to get him to church and get him saved. we got to let him listen to Rob or something, right? But actually, I think if, if I could just leave you with one really practical thing, if there's someone that you're trying to reach, instead of thinking about inviting them to church, try, invite them to your kitchen table. Start there. Don't invite them to your church. Invite them to your home first. Because I've been getting to know some of, some of my unchurched neighbors, and they're like, they're open to God and open to Jesus, but they think church is a little bit culty. So, like, they, they actually need to be in our home and find out that we're like normal people and we're not like drinking blood or something. Do, do you know what I mean, though? Like, they don't want to come. They don't want to come to church, but they'll come to have a fire with us. So I just, if you're with people in school, if you're with people in whatever your jobs or you have neighbors you're reaching out to, just start by getting to know them as a family. Let them see your life. Let them see your family. And I'm, I'm listening and I'm hearing you guys are having like firesides. And I actually think that um, COVID has been good for this in a sense, because there's, there's a little sense in which I feel like God is reminding us that church isn't buildings. Right? So when the building part of church got shut down, I sure hope church didn't stop. Because church is being family and community and loving each other and being in each other's homes. And, um, you know, I know the home thing, whatever. I guess I got to be careful what I say. Anyway, um, but right, like the, the church building being shut down should not have even slowed church because church is us and church is community. Um, So I just want to leave that with you guys really practically. Um, I think that a good step forward in evangelism is, uh, is opening up your home and having meals together is a really practical place to start. Uh, I read a couple books this last year. One was the gospel comes with a house key and it's a woman who talks about her own conversion. She was a radical feminist and she was teaching women's studies at a, at a university and she was also a practicing lesbian and all kinds of like she was just she was very very far left uh wing pro-abortion she's like that and the way that she uh she converted to christianity was because there was um a christian in her life who had her over once a week and they would sit around the table and they'd talk about those things at the table and she would the questions that she had she wouldn't step into the church but she would bring her questions to the kitchen table does that make sense and i love that and then I read another book that just talked about kind of the different states people are in and it starts with in postmodernism to evangelize things start with trusting a Christian person just needs to be able to trust you and that's what I'm talking about uh, they need to see that in that sense like you're normal we're not normal we're set apart we don't need to prove that we're like them necessarily, but they just need to get to know you and trust you and be friends with you. And then from there, they become curious. Then they become seeking and there's different stages, but that's the practical part. 
uh, that I wanted to challenge you with. And TJ's just going to share one more thing here with Coles. All right, and along with the hospitality uh, part, um, that's going to be a big heart of our new ministry um, is just having people down at our home um, and down at our ranch as we get horses and um, things like that set up. So uh, this has been a whirlwind weekend for us. We came um, quickly this weekend again to see our house and meet who we're working with and meet where I'll be working. Um, So we're heading back to Alberta uh, early this next week. Um, And then we're planning to move out to Gimli um, beginning of September sometime. So you guys will see a lot more of us um, after September, and we'll make a point of coming down. And we'd love to, yeah, hang out, um, yeah, be around fires, drink coffee, uh, connect with you guys again. Um, And we'll already extend the invitation to come visit us um, at our place in Gimli. It's a little dry, but it's not bad. It's pretty short. It's closer than Alberta. Especially living in rural Alberta, drives are nothing for us, so we'll be out here quite a bit. We're, we're pretty good at that part. Um, so I'll extend the invitation now. Please please get a hold of us, and, and we'll welcome you down to come sit around the fire, and hopefully we can convince our friends in Alberta to come visit too, and you guys can meet some of our Alberta friends, and you'll hear some pretty legendary stories um, from the yeah country Alberta. Uh, so we're gonna, we have prayer cards, um, that I will get out to you guys somehow. We'll figure that out yet and stuff, but they'll be available for you to pick up. Please pick one up. Um, we're mostly seeking prayer supporters who will be really intentional, uh, and praying for us and our family and our new ministry. Um, and also just checking in on us. We love accountability in that way and just see how we're doing and what's going on, um, in our ministry and our family. Uh, yeah, we love connectedness. We love relationship. We love hospitality um, in that. And and secondly, and, and much smaller, but we also need um, monthly sponsorships. We have to raise a, a portion of our salary uh, for this job at Gimli Bible Camp. So if you're interested in that, please come talk to me. Um, but yes, we are primarily seeking prayer support because we, we really covet that and know the difference and the power of prayer. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for listening to us, and it's good to be back here um, in this church. And, yeah, we will see you guys very soon again, and we'll have lots of pictures. We'll do a slideshow next time when we have a bit more time to prep and, and just continue to share life with you and share updates. Yeah, you guys will be a part of our future, so thank you.